are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We've been on the subject of revival for some time now, several weeks. Finney said revival is, I use the three R's, recognition of sin, a repentance of sin, and a renewed desire to serve God. I'd like you to pray for your pastor. I want revival in my life. I want these days that God has given me ahead to say that the man is living in a state of revival. We're so weak. We're prone to wander. This church deserves a pastor, and I do my best to try to live for God. I try to walk with God. And I know you're doing the same, but don't you long for a revival? Do you really want revival? Do you really want God's power? Do you really want God's spirit to control your life this hour? I want revival. I'd like your kids not to have to read about it. I'd like them to say, I lived in it. I saw it. I was at the great North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. God began to move, and it wasn't just for a service. It was for a season where God got in that. And we've noticed so far that when there's evidence, there's a revival, there's always evidence. One, we've seen a message on conviction of sin. When was the last time you could say, God convicted me of sin in my life? This area of sin, and I'm not just talking, we think sin is drinking and drugs and adultery. How about gossip? How about hatred? How about ill will? How about guile? How about dishonesty? How about pride? When was the last time God said, son, you are full of pride? And that's conviction of sin. And then we saw that there's conversion. And when a revival breaks out, the souls are being saved. People are getting right with God and getting saved and said, I want my name written in the book of life. I don't think this would be a true statement. Brother Cooper, you've traveled so much for so many years in revivals. But about 35 years ago, a great evangelist, you would know his name, said to me, and it was not one of these uh, just radical off the, but just a very solid, godly man said, I think perhaps in our fundamental churches that perhaps as many as 75 to 80% of our people are unsaved. I would imagine that's a little high number. But are you saved? And if you're not, when God breaks a revival, it's unashamed, I don't care who thinks what about me, I'm gonna get saved and I'm not gonna go to hell because of my pride. There's conviction, there's conversion, there's compatibility, one accord. And why is it that our churches are experiencing, it seems like to me, record anger toward one another. I've always stated my position and the position of this church and we're on the internet, I'm gonna to continue to do so. But if you don't agree with it, 
Dear pastor, you don't want an independent, fundamental, separated Baptist church singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and using an old King James Bible, still having a shout and still, still old time religion. You don't have to, but by the way, you're that are the ones that say, can't we get along? Can't we go? Yeah, can't you get along? Exactly. Can't someone have a different position? And you say, well, he's just, I'm just anchored in the historic doctrine that we have experienced here. Now, you know, it's an amazing thing. And then we saw this morning the church. When there's revival, the church is involved. It's God's institution. The vehicle God uses is a New Testament local church. The church is under attack. And tonight I want to see, looking at David's life in these few brief moments, a contrite heart. When revival comes, there's a contrite heart. What does it mean to be contrite? A contrite heart is one that is sincerely remorse. Remorseful over what they have done, what they have said, who they have hurt, what they have accomplished in their life for self and for pride, and there's remorse. Tonight in verse 17, we see that verse, that word, the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. I would hope that in our church, we would allow people to be broken before God and have a contrite heart, young and old alike, a heart that is sincerely remorseful. I am sorry. It might mean to begin with me and God. It might need to begin with me and a mate. It might need to be begin with me and some other person in the church or a family member or a relative nearby or far away. But when we're sincerely remorseful of what we did in our life, David is remorseful because he committed sin with Bathsheba, adultery, and saw her husband put in the hottest battle, part of the battle and died. When a person is truly remorseful, they acknowledge their sin. One, they acknowledge their sin. Look with me in verse number one. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out, what are the last two words, church? My transgression. My transgression. Verse two, wash me thoroughly from mine, what are the two words? Mine iniquity. And cleanse me from, last two words, my sin. Verse three, for I acknowledge, next two words, my sin. And the next two words, and my sin is ever before me. Look what the Bible says in verse number nine. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. When a person is right with God, they're not trying to cover. They're not trying to blame. They're not trying to become the victim. A contrite heart says, I acknowledge it's me. I acknowledge I'm not right. I acknowledge I have anger. I have bitterness. I have carnality. I have deceit. I have envy. I have fear. 
I have flesh, I have gossip, I have hatred, I have ill will, I, I have lust in my heart, I am money hungry, I live a nasty life, I, I'm a person who is full of self and sin and pride. I am the one, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. A contrite heart says, I acknowledge, I take ownership. I'm not gonna blame my dad. I'm not gonna blame my mom. I'm not gonna blame the church. I'm not gonna blame the school. I'm not gonna blame fundamentalism. I'm not gonna blame the King James Bible. I'm not gonna blame America. I am responsible. I acknowledge it. It's me. The problem is me. Secondly, when we're contrite in heart, not only do we acknowledge our sin, but we ask for God to do something in our life. What do we ask? Verse two, wash me. Wash me. Look at these personal prompts. Wash me. Verse two, cleanse me. Verse seven, purge me. And he says in verse seven again, wash me. And he says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Verse 14, deliver me. When was the last time that we acknowledged our sin and then came to God and bowed our knee to God and said, God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you. So, so our prayer life, it's, not, it's a to-do list for God. Now do this, do this, do this, do this. Give us this, give us this, give us this. But God is not some being that we just direct. God wants us to be a Christian that not only do we acknowledge our sin, but then we ask God, would you clean my life up? Would you restore me? And I wanna say a word of restoration. When a Christian in this church does wrong and they sin against God or against their family or against this church and someone wants to get right with God and they wanna be restored, it is the job of every Christian to restore that one. Galatians 6 says, ye, chapter, ye that are spiritual, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted as well. When someone wants to get right with God, we don't need to put them on the back burner. Oh, there might be some things that we don't allow them to do any longer, that it might not be wise for them in that area. I, I feel like if this, I feel, I've always taught our church, our church preacher boys, and myself included, I believe if I would be unfaithful to my wife, I should never preach again. I believe that's Bible. I believe there's some consequences. And I would not mount a pulpit, by the grace of God, you pray that all of us as men in this room and women in this room would be true to our mate till death do us part. Now, another pastor, and I know many men that have not been faithful and they left the ministry for a while and got back in and they're preaching. That's up to them, that's not, my, that's not my issue. But my issue is, yes, restore, not always to the same position, but the church ought to restore them. There's something they can do. Why do we feel like we have to take the internet and blast somebody for a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years and that's our ministry in life? My dad would say, son, Jack, just you keep your own life clean. Yeah. 
I'd go to my dad about my sisters, and my dad said, son, you mind the life of Jack Treber. You keep your own life right. You don't worry about your sisters. And so he says, he says, I want to ask for some things. That God, it would be a clean, washed, pure, purged relationship with thee. That's revival. Where we want fellowship with God. And so I find tonight a contrite heart is always revealed in acknowledgement and asking. And I close. And I want you to turn with me to verse 13. There's always an action. When a person gets restored, a person confesses and then restores, then, then, look what the action is. Will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. When I realize how wicked my sin is, how wrong I have been, how hurtful and hateful I've been. Revival says I want to acknowledge my sin and I want to ask God to clean me back up. But then I want to do something. There's an action. I want to help others. I'm very reluctant to say this because he's lived a good, clean, moral life and all this. But Brother Manuel Reyes back here wasn't raised in a good home like you and I. At age five, he began to cook for himself as a five-year-old boy. He lived in a drunkard's home and mother left. He's restored that relationship with both, though they're not married. But for his whole life, he lived on his own. And there's a juvenile hall over here. And he's now been approved, and he goes in there and he preaches to those boys, and he could say, I lived in the same building at one time. I was here. You know, as he walks in to preach to those boys that are incarcerated, so many times they'll say, I know you. I know your church. I rode the bus to North Valley Baptist Church. His life reminds me of the Apostle Paul who was breathing out slaughter and and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. And the the deacon Stephen was stoned and, and they laid his clothes at the feet of Saul who became Paul. But when Paul got right with God on that road to Damascus and got saved, He began to teach sinners. And he who was stoning people now was being stoned himself. And he was hated. And he preached the gospel. And one day he's in a prison. And he writes, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Child of God, I want that revival in my heart. That when I err, when I sin, and when I do wrong, and I get it right with God, and, and I allow, God allows me to, to still serve Him, I tell you what, I want to help other people. When people are judgmental, we don't want that kind of around here. We, we don't want those 
people that smell like that. We don't want those people that look like that. We don't want those people around here that are different than us. And I never hear that, by the way. I never do. You've proven that, that we want what Jesus wants. Jesus loves the little children, all the children in the world. But we're going to seek to help people. The tragedy is, if your sin is known, is verse 14. Because some folks won't let it go. Deliver me from the blood guiltness, O God. Thou, God of my salvation, and the tongue, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Some folks won't let it go. Sometimes it's yourself, you just won't let it go. I feel so guilty. I feel so worthless. You're God's child. And others, that time, won't let it go. And they remind you. I would hope as God's people would never remind anybody of their past failures. I'm glad that screen right there does not show the years of my life. And though I've never had a cigarette, and I've never drunk, and I've never been in a movie house, and I've never tasted wine, all these things, I still made a flesh and bone, and I fail so often. It must grieve the heart of God through my life. I can recall when I'd go to church as a teenage boy. I love Sunday school. I love Sunday morning. I love Sunday night. I love Saturday. We'd work around the property all day Saturday, getting ready for Sunday. And I love Saturday and I love Sunday. And I love Wednesday night. And I really wanted to live for God. Then I'd go to my public school. Oh, I went swear and cuss and go to the dances and smoke and drink. And people knew that I went to Sunday school, but in those days, almost everybody in our public school, 2,500 kids, they went to the Nazarene Sunday school, the Assembly of God, or the Presbyterian, or the Lutheran, or the Baptist, or, you know, sometimes the Catholic, they don't have Sunday school. A few folks went there. It wasn't very large. They knew Jack went to Sunday school, went to church, but many did. But I never witnessed to one soul in high school. I didn't know how. I didn't know how to win somebody to Christ. I was in a great youth group, but I just never knew how to win someone to Christ. And I was so backward with that. I just would have been, what will they think? I failed God. Recently, the special reunion, and I'm not going to tell you how many years ago I graduated from high school, but it wasn't 10. I will tell you, I went to Bible college 50 years ago. And they had a special graduate, a special uh, alumni. I didn't go, but I thought I probably should. I thought seriously about going and standing up and saying, I have failed you. I've been a Baptist preacher all these years. I failed you that I never told you that God loves you. Some of you have been, as teenagers, better Christians than I was. But I can't live in my failure. I want to try to help other teenagers never have that testimony. And don't magnify the failures of your life. 
as we stand together, please don't magnify as we stand. Please do not magnify the failures of your life. Don't boast about how terrible you are thinking that you're helping. I'm not saying you cannot, as Paul did three times in the book of Acts, he gave his testimony, who before was a blasphemer, an injurious person. And he gave it in Timothy as well. But I did it ignorantly, he said. But don't let the devil beat you up with the failures of your past. And I could list some sins that I know people in this church struggle with, and I will not. That was back here. When I was a boy, we'd say, I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm reading my Bible, believing each word. I love this. My past is forgiven. I'm glad my past is forgiven. From sin I'm set free. A mansion in heaven is waiting for me. If God let it go, why don't you let it go tonight? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.